Hello and welcome to the Battle Royale Podcast. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hi, hi. On tonight's episode, we are nearing the end of our chapter-by-chapter breakdown of the cult classic that is Battle Royale. We are tonight on chapter 21, Operation Complete. But do not let that title mislead you, because we still have another two chapters to go. Um, Obviously... As of our last uh, chapter, the last major player in the game was uh, killed in a hail of shotgun fire, which caused his head to blow up. And, um, yeah, it's now, uh, we're down to our last three. Yeah, we're down to, to transfer student Kawada and the, and our two, the two that we've been following all the way through, Noriko and um, Shoya. Yep. Um and I guess our, our heroic trio are all, that, are all that's left after the um, the fire and blood of the last chapter. Exactly. We all enjoyed our Sephiroth moment for Kiriyama. And um, I don't... I still, as I said, as of the last, the last chapter, I'm still not sure whether having that Sephiroth moment was a good trade-off for having an exciting car chase. So... I'm still unsure. So, you know, our main... We've got... There's lots of protagonists in this film. I guess Katana is one. But the main student protagonist is now killed off very, very quickly with 20 minutes of the film to go. Mm. And... Again, over over the next couple of episodes, we'll talk about it. But if, if this film has a flaw, it might be that it doesn't quite land at the very end doesn't quite hit its landing uh, and one of the things is by getting rid of Kuriyama quite so quickly I mean it's a glorious moment um, and it's all very theatrical but I, I don't know you've got the opportunity to change the book a little bit maybe um, yeah, may, maybe just have a, a bit more of an action scene to make it make the payoff a bit a bit better because now we've got 20 minutes of well we'll find out won't we but it's pretty much it for the action. <laughs> he can't even come back for like one last scare, can he? No, I mean literally they scanners <laughs> him, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> as we as we like to say in the trade, they killed him all kinds of dead. <laughs> yeah. No, so they come back from that. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna walk that off. Um, now obviously quarters with our our hopeless two and. They're basically they're somehow all back on the beach. I really love to take the map and just chart out this journey because somehow we've gone from the the building to now being back on the beach. We're not in a field. There's many other places on this island we could be, but no, we're back on the beach. And they basically take a moment to gather their thoughts. And of course, uh, Shuya is ever the hero that he is now basically laments the fact his that um, his parents left him his mother it's uh if we're to believe what he said um ran away and he says his father ran away but we know his father didn't run away because his father hung himself and we see that right at the start of the film I, I, yeah i guess he's i guess that might be a little bit lost in translation but i assume he ran away you know in the in the metaphorical sense, he ran away from his problems by killing himself, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he basically sits there and has a big old fucking moan about adults all letting him down. Which, 
he hasn't really mentioned before. <laughs> we're, we're quite well informed on his history, but this is the first time I, I think he's really spoken about himself in the entire film. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been mainly focused on protecting Noriko um, mm. the whole way for the for this movie, and now they're basically down to the free this this um, illusion of a sanctuary that uh, they're in, despite the fact that the game is still very much active. They're still all in the game, so they still have a thing to play for, technically. And yet he's sort of like, I don't know if I can fight. And it's sort of like, what do you think we've been doing for the last three days? It's You've you've learned nothing at all. We've, we've run from crazy people with crossbows. We've been in explosions. We've survived poisoning attempts. We've jumped off cliffs and had grenade heads thrown through windows and you still got nothing yeah and your, and your best mates had his head blown off um yeah i i i, I get i mean I've, this has been a common theme of me but i really don't really i'm not really a huge fan of shoyo as a character i know he's meant to be a kind of every man but then that doesn't really ta- tally up does it because he's everybody's bloody friend Oh, Shoya, you know, somebody got killed in last episode because, oh, look at Shoya, he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, I, I just, I just, I just, I just don't have a lot of time for him. And then this whingy little monologue, um, which is apparently this whole thing is his mum and dad's fault. Well, it's the, <laughs> it's the pains of adulthood. It's sort of like, oh, when I, I'm not, I'm not quite an adult yet. I'm going to keep fighting. Um, so we've got the, the the groundings here of the Wild Seven you know, mm-hmm. uprising that we're obviously going to focus on more in the next film. Um, but at the same time, he's sort of like lamenting this sort of entry into adulthood that essentially the game is representing. I mean, it's sort of like, this is your, uh, your path into manhood. You're going to go on an island and kill all your friends and you're going to come out of it a man and a better person for society. Yeah. Because that's how life works. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're all pretty banged up at this point. And I would, I, in my head, I had, was sure that Quada was going to say, it's okay, because my dad's a surgeon. <laughs> <Or something laughs> that I can assure you, we're all okay. <laughs> okay, Quada hasn't pulled that line for a little bit. Although, yeah, spoilers, there will be one more. <laughs> um, and then, just as everyone is uh, all settled... That he decides to pull the inevitable, <laughs> the inevitable, but yet somehow surprising betrayal on them, um, as he pulls that pulls a gun on them, and Noriko was sort of like, "Remember your girlfriend?" And he's like, "No, I made that up. It was all a tra- a trap to lure you in, um, so that I don't know why you would come up with a plan where you lure two hanger-ons." And this is somehow going to give you a fighting chance in this game, but so again, this this is not terribly convincing at all, is it? Um, that that yeah, why choose these two? You know, of all the characters you'd hang out with, these two dullards, <laughs> who actually he didn't really want to hang out with to start with. It it took him about an hour to sort of team up with them because remember there was an original offer of teaming up, and then he just stormed off when he realised what a whingy whiner Shoya was. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I've, I've used you two. And really? Cause what have they done? Because basically for the most of the time they've been together, um, they've been whinging and then Shoya hasn't actually been with them 
for a good third of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, you've got to notice that Shiryu is just a lightning rod for trouble. When he's over in the lighthouse, they're playing house. They've got the tea on the go. They've got they've got a decent shelter. Um, yeah. Everything's fine. Shiryu, every time Shiryu's around, trouble just seems to find this group. But, but Nariko hanging out with Nariko has done Kawada no good whatsoever. It's done him no harm either. But it's not it, this this plan of his to pick 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 these people to hang around with. Has, it doesn't really cu- carry much water. However, you know that's his plan, so he says, and um, proceeds to uh, open fire. Yeah, and all the while, uh, Katano is um, listening on, which I didn't even f- remember the scene where he's listening in there. I thought that was differently but no he's um, sitting in the control room listening away to all this is happening and the uh, soldiers are like nope we're going to go and get all the bodies he's like nope mission is over yeah um, so yeah so first things first listening into the conversations that is something which has is, is has been kind of only, re- only when it's relevant to the plot hasn't it because they've never I know the third man and his boys sort of on occasion covered up their microphones yeah. so people couldn't hear what was going on. Um, but I don't think anybody else has been listened in on and had their... You know, it hasn't it just hasn't been part of the plot and I'd forgotten that there was a microphone in it, to be honest with you as well. But yeah, that, that Katano just shuts it down. And apparently as well, you know, when everyone else has been killed, people have been going around picking up the bodies. Again, something else that we haven't seen, but no, shut it down, go home, because whatever position he's now got in the government, it includes sending the army home. (laughs) Where he's the head of the program um, with this particular particular one, because that's basically what's supposed to have happened, that he left yeah, the he's, school. He's, he's the Defina he, McCall of Battle Royale. <laughs> yeah, he he went on to like be the uh, coordinator for for these games, and especially when he found out that the class that, um, that, that we follow had been picked, this is why he insisted on coming back. <laughs> I mean, certainly the microphone's coming more into playing like the manga and the, and the book, but I think that's because the version of Katana is much more of a sadist um, and enjoys just basically tormenting more, whereas the film version is just beat Takashi Katano, given his interpretation of things, which is why we still have cookies left. It's yeah. like the, it's <laughs> the most good value box of cookies that you can ever get. He's, he's, he's dragged them out a good three days. And got, I mean, he's been like. There's moments where he's lying on the couch eating cookies. So it's not like he's been spacing them out. He's actually been sitting there snacking away, and we still have bloody biscuits and it's, left. It's only a tiny little box, no more than sort of four inches by four inches. I mean, it's um, yeah, he's he's definitely managed. To, it's either one of those. Never, it must be an, a portal to a cookie dimension or something. But I assume it's like Spawn's counter. You know he's got like the little counter that says that how many, how much power he has left before he dies. Right. Uh, the cookies are essentially Katano's timeline. So when he runs out of cookies, and that's his time up. Gotcha, gotcha. But we'll have to wait until later chapters to confirm whether that theory is correct <laughs> or not. 
Yeah, very good. I see what you've done. Yeah, very nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, he just sends them home. I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you again, that's not how armies work. But however, they probably don't also condone child on child murder hmm. either. So, you know, that's fine. But yeah, send them home, off in their helicopter, off they go. I have to wonder, it's sort of like, you raised the, raised the point, obviously, we required a teaming up with uh, Shuya and Noriko. But when you look at his options, who else is he essentially going to team up with? Because any other key player is either too politically inclined in the third man. They're a psychopath, like uh, Kiriyama or uh, Mitsuko. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the guy who gets the hatchet in the head, he'd probably be a good choice. Froggy? <laughs> really? No, Froggy's a Froggy's got he hates everyone though. I I'm, I'm I'm kidding. I mean, clearly, the Rico, the man magnet, <laughs> is probably part of it, right? Because because there's, there's something about her that seems to attract every male character in it. So I assume I assume because even even he had a little little looks, weren't there? There were little looks, little pangs of jealousy when Shoya came back. Mm. Um. So I, I'm sure part of it's that. But yes, I, I'm pretty certain there's, there's, yes, there's probably 15 of them. He probably wouldn't have teamed. He's never going to hang out. He's never going to team up with Kuriyama, was he? <laughs> um, but you know, or, or Mitsuka, or um, I don't know, it could have could have hung out with a third man. I think obviously the girls in the lighthouse. This idea of him hanging but... out with Kuriyama is sort of like a. Real, it just gives you the mind of this like a real trench coat mafia thing this yeah this this perfect storm because that was the thing with uh eric and dylan is that they were polar opposites but together they were like this perfect storm storming psychopath tendencies um which is not what you wanted and i just i could see the two being very much the same and that would have made this film impossible to get released <laughs> but i mean kawada isn't a psychopath Quadra um, isn't, but at the same time, he, if you're going to in, someone, someone who's incredibly like capable. capable. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the word. And although so much of Kawada is the character that we spend the most time with that I really know least about, if that makes sense, because he seems incredibly capable and yet he doesn't, we never really know why he's so capable he's a couple of years older than them well you can believe the story that he was in the previous battle royale yeah. i just don't know what to believe basically i'll believe the stories in the previous battle royale i believe that he's got some kind of reason for being there um you know and and, 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 and knowledge is a big thing you know if you're if you are in this game and you are prepared for it you know the, most of the people in this game show didn't know what was going on, never heard of it before. Um, wouldn't have been prepared to kill people. But no. I guess if you've been through it before, him and Kuriyama are, are very prepared. So, yeah, and, and he, he obviously had a plan of sorts. Um, so, yeah, if they'd teamed up together, that, that would have been murder. Uh, but uh, again, they should have. Uh, but Kuriyama wouldn't have been interested. It's also the fact that. When you're with Kuriyama, someone who's emotionally dead, in, as if we look at like the manga version, or in this one, just a played psychopath, it's all like, how long can you really trust them? Because essentially you're working with a loose cannon, and eventually it's sort of like, how long before they decide to turn on you? Um, mm. It's. I think you probably have more luck with Mitsuku. 
if you're going to have to team up with anyone. I mean, obviously, I suppose you could team up with Chigasaw. She wasn't really interested. She didn't really play the game, did she? She was just sitting there having a run. Um, uh, yeah, I, that's the, the, she's the in a like bright yellow jumpsuit, so it's all like yeah. <laughs> duck, isn't it? It's all like... Yeah, I'm not really sure what she was. She, 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 some of them I don't really know what their plan. The girls in the lighthouse again. We've talked about this before. What, what was their plan? Just to, just to play house and I guess so, just to wait it out because they've set up this little society on in the lighthouse. So they've set up patrols and. They've got their all allocated their roles within the lighthouse, um, and I think, as I said, the idea was that they were just going to wait this whole thing out. It's it's basically their their version of the Winchester. You're um, Shaun of the Dead in it, are yeah, you? Yeah, we're just <laughs> we're going to go to the Winchester, have a pint, and wait for this whole thing to blow over. I know this isn't the short. Oh, that's a fantastic movie, and for, I've got to be honest with you. If there was a zombie apocalypse, that's exactly what I'd do. <laughs> I'm going to the pub, but I'd go somewhere and barricade myself in, and that's... just yeah. It's sort of like that's... where do you where do you go now? Because there's no there's there's no there is nowhere really. I mean, you've got to go and find an Amazon warehouse to hide in now, don't you? <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not like you can go to the mall, which is going to be empty already. True, um, true. If the zombie apocalypse happened now, you wouldn't go very far, would it? <laughs> We'd, uh, yeah. Well, has it already happened? Who knows? We're not being told, I would. Um, but you, I do, this is an interesting game because I wonder if there are other characters that might have survived if they had teamed up with Kawada. I wonder. I wonder if the third man, for example, and and, and those two idiots. My um survived. Well, they're really sort of like the gophers of that operation. So they're basically the good at fetching things. <laughs> they are much, um, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter too much. So they're sort of like yeah, they're disposable because you only really need the third man, obviously for his hacking ability, um, and obviously his bomb making ability as well. So that he's got the skill sets there, and the other two are just there to fetch things. So once they finish fetching things. But um, I wonder, I wonder if with a leader like Kawada, who has information, he could have channeled the third man better. It's hard, really, because with the third man, the third man's got his own sort of like idea, idea sort of structure in place, because he's awesome. all about the revolution. Indeed. Um, also, though, spoilers for next episode. He probably doesn't need the third man. <laughs> <laughs> there's that. So I don't. I, I, he didn't need to team up with anyone, but maybe I, I think I think he just had the hots for Nariko, mate. And or maybe he just took pity on him. He's like, yeah. It's it's sort of like um, Sean Connery in The Rock. <laughs> he's so sort of like he just look at him and he's like, Snap is gonna get his ass. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which really just makes you sort of like, just want to have that moment like we're in the jail cell and it's sort of like, oh, you, you did the thing with the fire and stuff. I want to know, how did you get out yourself? <laughs> and just have like him just constantly have this plan. Mm. But, um. Uh, just, I watched Con Air the other day. <laughs> it's good, were, but it's not they the were, They were, Con Air the Rock, they were. That was a time, wasn't it, for cinema? <laughs> but the Jerry, the Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer collaboration years. 
Yeah. Because you had that and you had um, Gun 60 Seconds as well. Uh, There was just a whole bunch of these high concept action thrillers with similar you know there, there was this, like a cast of people in them wasn't there that not they weren't all in all of them but yeah yeah it was um ah. oh yeah because i remember don simpson saying we don't make movies we make thrill rides and yeah then, and sadly he passed away and it brockham was like i've got all the power now i'm gonna make 500 <laughs> transformer movies yeah unfortunately with the living wallpaper that is mark Wahlberg. He's in them now, isn't he? He is now. He, he replaced Shia LaBeouf, didn't he? Shia LaBeouf. Um, yes, he replaced him. And this is a man who, let's not forget, was outacted by a plant in The Happening. <laughs> there is that wonderful YouTube video in the ha- of The Happening, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only reason to watch The Happening is to watch a man get run over by a lawnmower. <sighs> oh, yeah, Kent, and this could be a different show. Poor M. Knight. <laughs> Just... I don't. Why does everyone like poor M. Knight? He brought it on himself. Oh God, yeah. But this is like when you say, "I'm not. I'm a storyteller or something." Was it? It's like I'm a storyteller, and it's like oh, just he, he. Um, he's a wonderful example of. We, we talk a lot in in film criticism about auteurs, don't we? And M. Knight. Shay Alaman is an example of what happens if you allow someone to be a, an auteur on the back of writing the script to Stuart Little. Um, he's got some amazing films in his, you know, Sixth Sense is a classic, right? Um, um, and, and Unbreakable is a really smart film. Okay, we're good enough for a tangent here with this. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'm just going to say Unbreakable is his good film. And that's yeah. because Samuel Jackson basically rewrote all his own lines. <laughs> because he took one look at it and it's like, no, that's not a comic book people would think. And just rewrote everything from Mr. Glass and that's why it's so good. Um, and I think I didn't have Sixth Sense. Um, oh, and then Signs, I think, was the, was the beginning of the end, really, wasn't it? And then he started getting cute and taking I... pot shots of, like, critics and Having him I, as the one who always explains everything. I really liked Signs. Mostly because of Mel Gibson having this super film star charisma. Unfortunately, it turns out Mel Gibson is a repulsive human being, and now it's hard to watch. And yes, everyone says, oh, why did they go to a planet that was mostly covered in water if they're allergic to water? You know, all right. Maybe fine. they didn't know at the time. Yeah. So, like, yeah how do you know you're no going allergic to anything? Yeah, so so I, I like signs, but then after that he went downhill. He had his little little return to glory with the visit, which cost him twenty pound fifty to make, which is a fun little film, but again full of issues. And 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 uh, the other one, the one was it split? That was all right. And then just went all his old habits again for glass. <laughs> just. Yeah, don't let someone be an auteur if they're not capable of being it. Anyway, that you're right. Tangent. No, he's got the one on the beach. So, I I, I haven't um I haven't been following his latest. Okay. I look forward to catching them as and whenever they stumble on my TV. Yeah, and I can watch them for free. So yeah, I, I won't be going to the cinema again. 
I don't think anyone's going to the cinema at the moment. I mean, unless you want to watch really old Film 4 productions over here. Um, it's like, ooh, let's go watch Brassed Off. Ooh, that's thrilling. Brassed Off, one of the DVDs I got with my first DVD player. I am not surprised. That, I got Brassed Off and uh, Shawshank Redemption. Which is why the Shawshank Redemption has finally got to be popular because it was given away with just about every DVD player. But anyway, that's a cynic's view. Hmm. Anyway, where were we, sir? So, <laughs> yeah, basically, we end up with uh, Kawada pulls the old uh, Deceptoru, as we say in the bit business. <laughs> um, and um, from what we know, he's basically shot Noriko and Shuya. Problem solved. Mission complete. Roll credits. to go. Hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That's basically it. We, we are now basically... This, this is the thing. I know when I first saw this, I was totally brought in by this, this unexpected but inevitable betrayal. And I would, do you know what? I'd have been alright with it. I, I'd have been fine with it. I, I'd have been absolutely fine with Shia being the winner. Not Shia, no. Um, Kawada. Yeah, Kawada. Jesus Christ. Kawada being the wi- winner and winning by deception in a shot of violence, betraying those two. There, there's, there's an alternate cut of this film where that's where it ends. Well done. However, there's 15 minutes to go, guys. Spoilers. <laughs> hmm. We've got two more chapters to talk about. So make sure you join us next time for the riveting chapter, True Friends, uh, which will be obviously our next chapter. But uh, anything else that uh, you want to talk about, Stephen? I don't think so. Tiny, another one of these tiny little chapters that doesn't really help. For, you know, it's a couple of minutes long. Doesn't really help for us to talk about out of context with. What happens next, really? No. <laughs> On our next chapter, we're going to be looking at calisthenics with Katano. We're going to be looking at art with Katano. And we're also going to be looking looking at uh, the ending and how it could have probably been improved. But that's obviously coming up in our next chapter. Um, thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. And check out our main show, The Asian Cinema Film Club, where every episode, myself and Stephen take it in turns to pick a film and to discuss. We cover a huge range of films, everything from anime to art house, from the likes of Ninja Scroll through to Goodbye Dragon Inn. It's a wide gambit of films that we like to cover, and not just the poplars, but also the obscures as well. So uh, make sure you come and hang out uh, with us there. You can check out our full archive episodes at asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com where we also have uh, reviews. We've got like the Film Vault from David Brooke. We've got the Dark Side of Asian Cinema. We've got the mixtape. It's a whole host of stuff. But um, thank you again for listening. If you haven't done already as well, please do hit, um, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. It all helps raise the profile of the show. And uh, we will be back next time with true friends. Until then, good night.